With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Brian Storm from Rockfeed. You probably know him if you follow any kind of music channels at all. Then you've probably seen his videos in your recommended videos on YouTube because he is absolutely everywhere. In about two, maybe, I don't know, two and a half years, he's built his channel from nothing to now I think he's sitting at like 490,000 subscribers, 84 million views in total. And I've known him for quite a while, since before he started the channel, and that's what made me so interested in talking to him. Like, I feel like I just blinked, and all of a sudden he turned into this like YouTube juggernaut. So I thought it'd be cool to sit down and talk with him about exactly how he did it, how he runs the business side of things, because he's definitely got a very sharp mind in that regard. So I think there's a lot to learn from him there. And what is the future of the channel? I've talked a lot about how rock and metal are, you know, maybe not what they used to be and probably not going to get bigger anytime soon. What does that mean for channels like his and mine? We get into all that. A lot of other fun stuff. Before I get into it, first, I want to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon, especially those at the True Cult level or above. If you're interested in doing that, there's a link in the show notes. Second, I want to thank our producer and editor, Deanna Chapman. If you have a podcast that you want to get off the ground or maybe already have a podcast, you just want to do it bigger and better, you can hit her up. There's a link to her site in the show notes. If you enjoyed this, please share it on social media. That's the best thing you can do to help the show. And with that out of the way, let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. I'm pumped about this. So the thing I wanted to kind of talk about, and you know, we can take this wherever it goes, but I talk to a lot of people who say that they want to monetize their content, especially a lot of people who are bloggers, like writers, and they say they want to do it, and, and I give them my suggestions, or they get suggestions from the market, but they don't want to listen. <laughs> they don't want to pivot, and they don't want to make the changes that you know kind of are required in order to actually start monetizing. But you did it. Um, so I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about how that happened for you, what you've learned from it, what your plans are from the future, because I mean, I think you've grown to be a substantial channel quite quickly. So I just kind of want to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was something that I had to figure out what the next move was from, you know, running a website that was doing okay. It was doing all right. By no means was it anywhere near the top, but I noticed that I was sort of 
super dependent on the algorithms on social media and they change for a time and they go back and forth. They, they may have gotten better for all I know, but I decided I think that advertisements with videos in them are probably more valuable than the typical AdSense uh, picture ads that I was depending on when I was writing on the website. And I couldn't do both. I didn't have the time. And I decided that I was going to put a semi-decent video setup in my house. I'd been doing videos for Metal Sucks uh, as uh, you know, we have both worked with Metal Sucks off and on. And so I learned how to do a lot of video stuff then and, and really liked it. And I felt like it was a more organic way to communicate with people. But I changed over um, around midway through, I want to say, 2017. So you started out, just to bring everyone up to speed, you started out as a text-based rock and metal news site in like 2015, 14? Yes, 2015. And so two years or so into that, you made the switch to YouTube and podcast. Yes. And I think we talked around then and you were like basically saying what you just did is like, man, my site's doing okay, but you know, what do I do to kind of really kick this into high gear? And I suggested YouTube, not that I'm trying to take credit for this or anything, just tying it back to a conversation that we had, you know, usually I have those kind of conversations and then the person asks me the same questions a year later and they haven't done anything. And then in your case, like a year later, I'm like, holy shit, like this thing is huge all of a sudden. Uh, you know, first of all, I really appreciate that. And I just want to just note for those of you who are listening that I was a member of a group called the Punk Rock MBA before it was the gargantuan YouTube channel that you now know and love. And I'm not sure if the group is still around, but yeah, I would ask advice from Finn because he knows his shit. Yeah, the group is still around. So I guess that's yeah. a, another another thing worth mentioning. I don't usually talk about that just because it makes the story more complicated. But the group, I think, was started in 2015. So you know, any of these things that you see, just like someone might go, oh, man, Brian's channel started two years ago and it's huge. Uh, any of these things that you see, typically there's a, a that appear to be an overnight success. There's probably a lot of stuff you didn't see that led up to that. But anyway, so you started in 2017, um, and talk about like how that transition went. Like what I what was your content like then? How did you get used to video? Did you have any you know? Well, you did have some experience, but talk about that transition. Yeah. So I decided. This website is still doing okay. It's not by any sense in the can, but I can see it going downward. I'm afraid that it's going to end, and I really like doing this. I, I love it. I really do enjoy it. So I said, I need to diversify and try something else too and see what happens if I do both. And I, I remember telling myself, I said, you know, I have this website that gets pretty good traffic, and then I'm going to be doing these videos that are going to do nothing. Nobody's going to watch them, but I'm going to just eat crow and eat that humble pie for six months and see what happens. And I'm going to put out all these videos with a hundred views and everyone's going to laugh and say, ha ha ha, you know, you're, this isn't a real serious thing. And then I kept doing it and kept doing it. And eventually it just slowly and steadily began progressing. And I noticed that it was picking up pretty quickly because I, I felt like, me personally, I like to see that personable experience. I, I want to listen to a person talking to me. I want to see them talking to me. You get a better feel for their nonverbal cues. Yeah, exactly. You get an idea what kind of person they are. What are they about? 
sometimes you and I have both dealt with this where, um, you know, or I assume you've dealt with this. It's every day on the internet, you meet somebody that you talk to online and they're this really quick witted person. And then you go talk to them in person and they're, they don't even speak, you know? And so it's hard to like show your personality behind a computer screen. So I, I, I very much like to put myself out there and, and the transition essentially put me in a position to succeed long-term while also recognizing that three years from now, I could be on TikTok. I don't know <laughs> where this is going. Well, so I, I just looked for a long time. You still had rockfeed.net yeah. that was still posting news articles. And I just looked and now I see that it just redirects to your link tree that drives to the YouTube channel and the podcast. When did you decide to stop maintaining the website? Six months in, I realized, wow, this is really taking off and it's already becoming like the main economic driver. And I hate to describe it in that term, but- But it is what it is. I mean, this is your job. Got to pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah. You got to pay your bills. And and so I quickly recognized that it was working really well. It was taking off. And so I wanted to focus more time on it. And I looked around for people. I posted several times asking for potential freelancers. And then I I see a lot of freelancers who I think they're done wrong and done dirty. And I didn't know enough about like contracting people or anything like that. And I was afraid to screw it up. So I said, I'll get back to it. And I just still haven't gotten back to it yet. I, it's on so my list. You're talking about freelance writers? Yeah. People who can come on and if there's anybody listening and you know how that works and can explain to me how I can pay you and you're happy about it, I'm happy to listen. Okay. Well, so let's talk about the economics of writing. And I know it's been a while since you did text. I would guess that it's probably even harder now than it was then. Because, you know, this is how we know each other. Like you said, we both wrote for Metal Sucks. And, you know, I did some stuff with Metal Injection and stuff. I did a fairly popular metal blog like 10 years ago. And so I, I've sort of seen, I don't know, I feel like it probably peaked around 2012 or something like that as totally. like in terms of like the money you could generate from writing. And it's just gone down and down and down since then. Talk about kind of what made you see the writing on the wall and go, shit, I need to pivot. Yeah, absolutely. What what happened was I got in, like you said, well after that peak, those golden days that I hear about from so many of my friends where you could post <laughs> a copy and pasted tour announcement and get, you know, 10,000 page views in a second. Right. And I would post a story that I thought was interesting or... And 30 bucks or whatever, you know, 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> because those are... So for anybody listening, the way that ads are priced typically is they call it CPM cost per thousand views. So some of these blogs, you know, I remember sometimes I would get like an 8 or $10 CPM, which is crazy to me. But that means if you copy and paste a tour announcement and you get 10,000 views on that, 10,000 times... $10 per thousand, you made a hundred bucks from copying and pasting a tour announcement. And let's say you did that 20 times a day, which some of these big sites do, you know, that could be a couple grand a day in ad revenue. Yeah. And so, so here's really, if I can, if I can really point to what I think happened was without getting into politics of anything, there was a very big scrutiny effect that happened in the social media world with the way that news was distributed. Right now I'll point this out. <laughs> Do you remember when trending first came out on Facebook and you could just get up on that trending tab every day? I, I had articles trending on Facebook 
like three times a week. And you would get just massive traffic from that, I'm sure. Oh, massive traffic. And of course, I'm, I don't think I was trending like nationally, but it was targeted trends. And you get on that tab and I had an equal chance to get out there as everyone else did, which is why I like YouTube still to this point. I I have channels that I'm always working on building, either helping people build or building myself. And I have an equal fair chance to actually get out there. And when they when they started really pushing this, um, the changes in the algorithm, what happened is the little independent guy couldn't compete right. as much as they used to. Now, you've got some sites that I think will be fine that they have really highly targeted audiences. You've, your, your loud wires, your blabbers, your metal injection, uh, metal sucks. I think they'll be fine because they've built these really great audiences that are super targeted. But if you were still building, you weren't, you can't really start out and, and come from nothing and, and do that. And you're seeing a lot more people moving back towards Google news again. Right. And it's, it's getting back into, let's see how, how we're performing on Google and, and it's shifting back that way. So I saw that, you know, a few months beforehand. So you saw your traffic going down, basically, is what it was? Significantly, yeah, significantly. Specifically your Facebook traffic. Yeah, that was my main source. Which is what everybody saw around that same time, because I, I, you know, I, I still talk to the Metal Sucks, Metal Injection guys all the time. I remember the same thing happened to them. They're like, fuck, you know, 30% of our traffic went away in six months or whatever it was. Yeah, it was terrifying. And that can be a killer. Now, those guys are smart and they made adjustments to various stuff that I, I, you know, I'll let them talk about it if they want to. But, you know, they made some adjustments. So their business is, is fine. But a lot of people, their business basically went up in smoke because they were so reliant on that Facebook traffic. Yeah. And it, and for a lot of big companies, you see, you see companies like BuzzFeed and, and all these giant up rocks and all these companies that got really, really fat in 2010, 2011, yep. and the money was good and they had the golden office and it was amazing and good for them. I was and always then Facebook's like, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. We're not going to like build your fucking billion dollar company. <laughs> and they were paying them too. I found out later that they had deals with them and they were encouraging right. the, what we now describe as clickbait and, and they yep. loved it because it kept people on their site those quizzes were money and it yep. was it was a good thing and i always had the thought and my dad was a business owner my whole life and so he you know by no means were my parents wealthy but he ran a carpet store and sold carpet to people and i always remember how he was always you know who left the lights on I, you know always very <laughs> cost sensible and very very we have to be financially responsible so I was always afraid, including with the writing stuff, with bringing on freelancers, I don't like people to have to depend on me because it's so scary. You have somebody coming to you and, and you're helping them generate income. It's a terrifying thing for me. And it's not something that I like to talk about too much, but I'm happy with this being me. Yeah. You know, I'm happy being doing my thing. And if I occasionally, which I don't much, but if I want to go out and hang out with my friends or go to an Eagles game, I can do that. But it's it's a lot to have on one person. And a lot of these metal sites, they're very lean. And so I do believe they're going to survive. Metal sucks is lean. Metal injection is lean. You know, you've got some other com companies that have bigger operations. But in, in this environment, if you're fully independent, YouTube could change everything. The demand will go somewhere else and I'll find it because it's just me. Yep. You know, I can 
we can adapt, but that's sort of where I, I recognized it was around the time that I changed. I, I'm always sort of falling forward and I was like, well, I need to start doing this. And like the next day I just started doing it. And I was, when I was talking to you about it, I was like, oh man, I think I should, uh, really get into this. And I'm seeing people in the group, the punk rock MBA, which is a wonderful, wonderful group for anyone who wants to join it. I learned a lot from listening to all these really, really smart people in there who, especially if I can say one really nice thing about it that I love is you guys don't tolerate shit talking in there. You don't tolerate people. If you go in there and you're like a rookie and you don't know anything and you're like, hey, uh, this question might be stupid. They will give you, they'll take you seriously and help you. They want, they just want to help everyone succeed. And that's what I love about it. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that because, you know, the internet can be a shitty place, but I want to prove that it doesn't have to be. Absolutely. So it took like six months for this to get to a point where like it's replaced the income that you were making from writing or exceeding it, or it's about six months. It was less than that. It was, uh, it was six months was when I was realizing, okay, this is not just good, but this is really good. And, you know, in, in the first six months, I was still sort of bouncing back between the two. And then I eventually realized, all right, I can't do both. I just can't mentally sustain it around that time. I was very bad at managing my time. And I, I mean that in, in the sense that I would never just stop working and I wouldn't, it was just very unhealthy. And I'm ADHD straight up. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with me. But the point of it is, is that when I'm really, really interested in something, I can ride that train till the doors come right. off and I won't stop. But, you know, it caused some problems for me. I didn't sleep enough and I had to make some changes, started going to therapy, uh, started trying to eat better, drink less sugary drinks. And, uh, so yeah, once I made that change, it was not just a business decision, it was also a personal decision for me as well. Well, that's a, you know, that's a smart thing. You've heard other, I guess I'll say YouTubers. I feel so weird calling myself, "Oh, I'm a YouTuber." Cuz it just sounds so stupid, but I don't like it either. You know, but I guess it is what it is. I tell people I do video production. Have you ever talked to like somebody in the world who has like a, a serious thing? I yeah, I do video production. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like saying YouTuber. I know, I hate it. Like my my wife's family kind of found out about it. I Not that I'm like ashamed of it or anything. I just like didn't really, yeah. I just didn't want to tell them like, oh yeah, I make videos on YouTube, you know? And uh, yeah. they just sort of found out about it. I was like, oh fuck, are they going to make fun of me for it? And <laughs> I get, they think it's cool. So I guess it worked out. But uh, yeah, I hate that term. But uh, what I was going to say is you've heard other YouTubers talk about this. I mean, pretty much everybody that has a decent sized channel makes a video about this at some point or another that is like, Wow, I had to, you know, make some changes because I was working too much and it was starting to affect my physical and mental health, my relationships, stuff like that and it's real, you know? I mean, I I have the same tendency as like if something especially because you work so hard to get something off the ground and if it's working, you're like, "Well, fuck, I got to keep this thing going." Like, I got to keep my foot on the gas 24/7 or else this might go away and and I like this, so I want to keep it alive. But you can't keep your foot on the gas 24-7 or you're going to crash and burn. Absolutely. And that's what I was doing is I was particularly actually when I was writing, there were times when I wouldn't go outside for like three days because I was just like in my PJs, waking up, working, working out, going to bed. And, uh, you know, what a lot of people don't think about is when you're independent, all your other friends are at work. And you can't, it's actually not that, it's not as cool as, as it's made out to be. Don't get me wrong. It has its uh, 
it's it's great things. But when when you're working on stuff, people are either out socializing or they're or they're at work, and it's hard to make your schedules align because in the time that you have, for instance, doing this new stuff and being just me, it's regular for me to have to get up and leave if something crazy happens, and um, I have all these people that follow me for timely information and I have to somehow hold up my end of that bargain if I want them to continue relying on me to give them that information. And so that part of it. So like if like somebody in a huge band quits or gets sick and they have to cancel a tour, you're like, okay, I got to bail and go make a video about this right now. Yeah. Yeah. So particularly like a, a good example of it would be, um, it could be it could be something as stupid as like a band member hopping online going, you know, oh, this this band just kicked me out and they're pieces of shit. And yeah, it's an it's an it's a human interest story. It's an interesting story for the fans. And I think that a lot of a lot of people, whether they admit it or not, and you hear people, too, they'll say, oh, this is clickbait horseshit. But people watch. My numbers are transparent. They're interested in what is going on in in the the music world and they're the ones that are tuning in if i could have the biggest youtube channel talking about the hot new bands that i like believe me i would i would much rather have that but yeah i'd have to i got to get up or get out of bed or any of that i could be trying to sleep most and it's turned into the point where most of the time i'm just at home watching uh, dateline and the first 48 and waiting for news to drop. I don't get to get out very much. <laughs> right. Well, let's let's talk about that, about kind of the content that the audience wants versus, you know, what you might make in a perfect world because that's definitely a thing I deal with all the time. And I'm not acting like it's some horrible, you know, it's fine. But like I was just talking about this today with some people on Instagram. They're like, well, or maybe it's, I don't know where it was, but they're like, you have a platform. Why don't you talk? Why don't you sit down and interview some local bands and Ugh. play their music and tell people to share it? And I'm like, dude, because that would be like flushing my channel down the toilet. 100%. I'm sorry. I just, I, I can't justify that. I can't like sacrifice my channel to help out some local band. Well, and then I'll, I'll do you one better. I've played around with that in different ways, a few different times. And the one time, or both times I did it, it was like a answer questions and just hanging out on a Friday night live stream. Yeah. Send me your songs and I'll listen to it. Every time I did it, they copyright claimed my video. <laughs> Every <laughs> time. Know, that happened That happened to me too. I don't know if you saw it, but I did I, I did three or four of them where we like reviewed uh, viewers' bands. And like I would have uh, people, I had Bo from Seosin, uh, DL from the Acacia Strain, and Ashi from Beartooth like review the bands which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And every single time, the best band, it would get copyright claimed and I couldn't use it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand why, because like by default, it checks that box in like CD Baby or DistroKid or whatever to like get the YouTube money. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of ironic. And so I guess, I guess my point is that the viewers are the ones in control, not us. You know, there's yeah. an idea that like, the people in the media, quote unquote, are like these gatekeepers that have their arms folded that are like deciding, well, we're not going to talk about this or that because it's not cool enough. It's not that at all. Like we're giving the people what you want and, you know, look at your, I mean, I'm looking at your videos right now and it's like people are clicking on stuff about Motley Crue uh, and Ozzy and Paramore and, uh, 
in Kid Rock, I mean that's that's what that's what the people and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just yeah. saying like this is what the people said that they want. Yeah, that's what people are interested in and the metrics that YouTube determines what they show to people are based on every human interest indicator possible. Right. How long you're staying on the video, how many times you're commenting, how many likes the videos are getting, how much conversation it's generating. So it is quite literally determined by the viewers, the audience. And I've tried time and time again, even bands that I really like and I want to put out there, I've tried time and time again, and it just doesn't take off because people see it. And YouTube will show you on the back end, as you know, how many how many impressions it gets. And people yeah. look at it and scroll past it. Right. They don't click it. For channels like ours, the number of people that see it, it's hundreds of thousands. Yes. If not millions. Loads and loads of people see it. And they're not clicking. They're not clicking. It's not a sham. YouTube doesn't care who gets big. They, they no. are a company that wants to make money, as any company should. And they want to, you know, they don't care. They, they don't care who the biggest person is on YouTube. They're just going to identify that. And they're, you know, they don't want PewDiePie to be the biggest YouTuber. Everybody's always like, it's a big conspiracy uh, people who have criticized them or feuded with them becoming the biggest YouTubers shows you enough that they are not trying to, uh, you know, I think particularly silence anyone. I'm pretty sure that YouTube are not giant fans of PewDiePie. No. <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that they never include him and stuff. So as yeah. an example of this, uh, I did a review of the uh, new Issues album back in October when it came out. Uh, I love the band. I've ne that's the only review I've. I love them. Uh, they're a great band. That's the only review I've ever done. I was like, you know what? I'm going to review this because I absolutely love this band. I love this album. I put a lot of effort into it. I guarantee you, there's nobody else that has ever talked about issues in that much depth. Yeah. Because I've known them for years. I know their parents. Like I know. I know the whole deal. And it got it to date. It has thirty six thousand views, which is a lot for some people, but for us, it's not. Yeah. And let's see how many people it was shown to. It has been shown to six hundred twenty thousand people. Wow. And thirty six thousand of them watched it. All right. Let me now. I'm going to do that. I'm going to let's see if I can pull up some impressions. And I'm not crying about that. What I just want people to understand the stuff that you're saying, which is that you know we give the viewers what they want. And YouTube gives the viewers what they want. So if you want to change things about how the media works, then it's in your hands as a viewer to click on stuff, to comment, to watch, you know, vote with your clicks. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun.
Thanks for checking it out. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Here's a video that I did the other day that I really liked. It was uh, really cool. And I've gotten to talk to whoever runs this kid's Twitter account. They followed uh, me. Have you seen the little kid who does the drums and hangs out with Slipknot? Uh, his name's Caleb. Uh, no, I haven't. He's five years old and he's a really good drummer. And it was just this really cool story. The band took him and... Uh, brought him up on stage and it's been doing well for me. It's got a hundred and twenty some odd thousand views in in a few days. Under the impressions, seven hundred thousand impressions of which a hundred thousand people clicked. Well, that's pretty good, and that obviously shows that people are interested in either this kid or Slipknot. I'm probably banking on Slipknot in in that you know a combination of both. But I could compare to. Another band that I may have talked about that I thought, oh, man, this should get a bunch of views because I really love the band, and it didn't, and I was disappointed by it. I don't want to go too far down the numbers hole, but there are plenty of examples that I could go into where I've done a video about a band I really love, and I think they should get a million views, and it it doesn't because the people aren't tuning in. And you see this a lot, too. One of the things that's changed about the music industry is that Back in the day, the industry, so to speak, the industry insiders had a lot more of a say in what bands got put on. And I'll give you an example of a band today that, you know, 30 years ago would have been the biggest band because they are like sort of the chosen ones right now is Greta Van Fleet. They've got every big resource behind them. Uh, You know, they're getting on Metallica tours. They're doing all this. They're getting the full rollout yep and they are certainly doing well and they're very talented and i love their music but they're not hitting as hard as they certainly would like them to because it's not like lincoln park in 2001 where they just like took over the world exactly and it's it's the the talent is there the quality is there but the push is never authentic in the sense where you have 
them going out and, and doing these crazy press run, press run runs with these legacy publications and they get this whole big rollout. It doesn't matter how big my YouTube channel gets. I'll never talk to Greta Van Fleet because they have the legacy people behind them yeah. who I think sometimes don't understand the new media that we live in today. They're not doing both. It's very lopsided. And I disagree with that. And you see them like get so excited about, I don't know, an article on billboard.com or rollingstone.com. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> cool. I mean, I was on billboard.com and, and it was nice for my yeah. ego, but like nobody reads that other than people no. like us, you know, I mean, I yeah. don't even read it. Like all that legacy media, it's cool for the artist's ego, but I think that's about it. Yeah. It doesn't spread legitimate hype. And the difference between the rock world and the hip hop world is that they'll go on every single podcast and yeah. they do still get their feet put to the fire, so to speak, where they're not getting pre-listed questions and all this right, crap. Right. If you go on The Breakfast Club, man, people are scared out of their mind to go right. on that show because you don't know what they're going to say. And it's very compelling stuff. And I are you going want- no jumper? Someone might walk yeah. in off the street with a gun. <laughs> right? Yeah, literally. And And oh, man, thank goodness that didn't turn out. That was a, a terrifying sight. Exactly. Yeah. No jumper is an, an excellent example of that. And I, I'm sad that I try really hard to get um, artists to come on and have I've, – I've talked and begged certain artists to come on here and just have legitimate discussions and, and show them that I'm not, I'm not trying to screw anybody over. I'm not you know, going to ask real gotcha questions or anything. But yeah. everybody I've talked to who does interviews, something about the rock world is they've got these big publicists that are scared and, and they won't let their artists be who they are and be authentic to their fans. Everything is so hidden and locked down and there's no right you know the, the most you get out of an artist these days is they'll do some like branded content video with vans right right and right. that's where you learn about what they're it's super frustrating and it's like some really produced like slick thing where it's like i was born in a musical family <laughs> you know like okay here we go yeah and and there's there's sense playing in the background and it's it's you know there's a there's a, a full orchestra that was hired to play right, in the right. background <laughs> i would love to embed with a band and produce little small documentaries on them. I'm willing to pay my own way, do everything and just, you know, I'll, and of course I'll give them even final approval over it. I'm not trying to capture somebody taking a shit and, you know, upload it on YouTube. I, I That'd probably do well though. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> so, um, but I just want to show a day in the lifestyle content and, and things like that. But every time I try to do it and now certainly there have been times where I've turned certain things down, but most of the time, if I try to do something like this, many different bands are just sort of put off by it. There are a few. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked about doing this with I Prevail, and uh, Brian, their singer, is really up for it. And I, I was the shitbag on that one. I, I haven't uh, – my schedule didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I feel like of all, of all bands, they would get that. Oh, yeah. They're super transparent. They're, they're an example, in my opinion. And people make fun of me. I go on – like, they're not paying me anything. I just really like them. <laughs> and and yeah, well, I understand why because they get it. Yeah, they're very smart. I'm not a huge fan of their music personally, but 
I totally understand why they've been as successful as they have. Yeah. Because they understand the internet. They're an internet native band, which I think that's the problem with a lot of these older, like a lot of the legacy bands, you know, that you cover a lot. No. They're not internet native bands. And I think they still feel like they don't need it or shouldn't need it or like they're too good for it or, you know what I mean? They're kind of like, oh, that's just some website. Yeah. And then also if you have a band putting out a, like a, a vlog, some of these bands will do like vlogs and it's only during the rollout of their album and it's always about right. the album being made. It's a fucking ad. Yeah, it's an ad. It's crap and I don't like it. I want to see you like talking about the song or coming up with it maybe, but then also just like going to Starbucks. I think that bands should, it should be a combination of things. Like you should be in a band and then vlog like your life too yeah. on a YouTube channel when you're at home. Uh, and everything. And you've got some bands that are doing it. They're getting on Twitch and things like that. And that's a great way to interact with your fans. But um, I, I just think that fans crave interaction with their favorite artists. And oftentimes that's not reciprocated in in the best ways to communicate publicly with your fans. I think that there are right. so many options where you can maybe paint a public narrative about yourself while also giving the fans the chance to feel like they're a part of it all and build that organic sense of community. And it's just not really, it's just not really happening for these bands. Motley Crue's not going to do it. And of course the biggest problem is that we're just totally oversaturated. Look at the tour schedule this summer. It's just legacy band after legacy band after legacy right. band. It's really bad. And you know, I talk a lot of shit or make fun of that, but good for them. I mean, like I'm not suggesting that they should hang it up or like if if they enjoy playing shows and people want to go to it, good for them. But, you know, there is a side effect there that it crowds out smaller bands. Yes, and it does because the the smaller bands, unfortunately, a lot of this is da is data driven now or you've got companies like AG or or uh, Live Nation or whatever whatever I don't know which company's connected to who it changes all the time yeah yeah but, but you've got and by no means do I know everything about how to book a tour but what I do understand is you have the companies approaching the bands these days putting the packages that they want together coming to you with a big fat ass stack of cash and paying you up front and the bands don't always get an opportunity or they have to really fight for it to bring some new up and coming bands on the tour because nine times out of 10, the fans don't care that much about who else is lower down on the bill. And that's how, when I was in high school or whatever, I wouldn't know who this opening band was, but by the end of the night, I did know who they were and I'd go look them yeah. up on MySpace, and, you know, I'd become a fan. I remember I went to a show and the Pandel Nino was on the bill uh -huh. and I was like, man, who the, who is this El Nino band? And then I watched them and I was just like, you know, <laughs> I just have really fond memories of, of like going and playing the, all of their hits and learning about them. I remember, so the band Spine Shank, if you remember them, I'm mm -hmm. really going deep now. Yeah. Their singer had a, had an offshoot of a band that after they broke up called Silent Civilian. Okay, now that's too deep for me. You lost me there. I'm not. Uh, I'm not new metal enough for that. Yeah, <laughs> the band was called Silent Civilian, and they played on a tour. And I saw them, and I got really into Silent Civilian. And then looking back, had things been the way they are today with with booking tours, I would have never been exposed to a band that brought me a lot of joy. It's just 
unfortunate. Now on the the other end of the thing, the other end of the spectrum, there is something that I really do like as a consumer, not thinking about this from a business mind, but just as a fan, I love these big festivals. I love the Danny Wimmer presents. When I was a kid, I dreamed of going to Woodstock 99 and standing under Fred yeah. Durst and like <laughs> I always I make fun of though that whole scene a lot, but I legitimately think they do an awesome job. Like they're yeah, they have a great business. They know what they're doing. They treat everyone well. Like I have a ton of respect for them as a company. And for yeah. anybody who doesn't know, Danny Wimmer presents is the company that puts on like all these epicenter. Yeah, Sonic all these Temple. ones called like you know the. Dakota takeover or whatever. No, no, no. They don't do that. They don't do those anymore. There, there's actually a story there. To be, to be fair. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> so, well, they used to, right? Yes. Okay. That is true. But that was when they were partnered with AEG, oh, and AEG okay. wanted them to be sort of cookie cutter, and then they they wanted them to be more of a cultural experience as opposed to just let's chug Monster Energy, get shit faced, yeah. and watch you know whatever band slashes Snake Pit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, they actually split off and you, you can read about it for those of you who are interested, but they split off and there was a lawsuit, I think that's ongoing and they rebranded all of the festivals away from like your Carolina rebellions and all this stuff. Oh, that's why they did that. Okay. Yeah. That's why they rebranded them all because from what I've heard, they wanted them to be something much more. And AEG was just like, nah, let's just do them like the radio fest. Like right. that's all we're doing. We're not dumping more money into it. And they want like carnivals and, eclectic foods and and all of that and i got the chance to go to epicenter this year um, or last year and it was a real uh life-changing experience for me i i don't like to travel very much and i'm i'm like i go on cruises and all this stuff and you know and i just don't like being away from home for extended periods of time but i was just so happy the whole time i was there they do a real good job of like filling the programming with super engaging fun. And everyone there was so nice. And you meet all these strangers and there was a real, because like you go to Warp Tour and it's a one day gig. Yeah. You don't take the time to get to meet anyone or talk to anyone. Well, here you're there for three days and you're setting up a small city and you're there. And I just highly recommend, I'm not just out here pushing for, Danny Wimber presents. If there's any kind of these festivals around you, there's a a, a ton of offshoot yeah. companies now that are doing these. Go check them out, and it's a great way to discover new bands. It's the new way, really, to discover new bands. I got to see. Uh, I listen to them a lot, and their music doesn't translate in recorded form. It's great, but um, it doesn't translate as well in um, recorded form as it does live. And everybody has always been telling me to go see them, go check them out. And of course I'm having a, a super brain lapse right now, but uh, this particular band was the mystery band. Yeah. It's the mystery band. It was, it was oh, okay. Travis Tritt actually. <laughs> yeah. I've heard, uh, I've heard again. It's like no, technical death. Metal. No, but it, you know, yeah, it's really, yeah, really good. This new gent band. But, um, but anyways, it was, it was a band that I had heard a lot about and I'd listened to them and I enjoyed them. I'm not saying they weren't good, but then you go see them in li- live and it's like this spiritual experience and it was extremely entertaining. And then ever since then, I've been listening to them uh, nonstop. And I just want to say, I remember the name now. I was just, I'm like super scatterbrained, if you know me. So I don't, it's not like I wasn't aware of who the band is. I'm just, I'm ADD. It was knocked loose. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I had the same experience. I heard yeah. them recorded. I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. And then I saw them 
you know, stick to your guns a couple of months ago. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. You got to see them. And they're a band that you really have to see. That sounds very cliche, but I was watching them and I was like, yeah. Oh my God, this is blowing the, blowing the doors off of me. I was standing back there. I was freaking <laughs> chugging white claw and it was just a, like a real spiritual experience for me. And I am now a huge fan of that band. I just really love them. What I think that's a really important insight on their part is like it can't be just a collection of bands. It's got to be like a lifestyle experience because that's what the hip hop yes. and EDM and indie festivals are like Coachella and Electric was Electric Daisy Land and Rolling Loud and all that stuff. Yeah, EDC and all that. Yeah, th- these are like cultural experiences these are like it's it's a community it's may it's way more than just hey let's go see some bands people want to go there i bet a lot of people that go to coachella don't even know who's playing because that's only one part of it totally and totally uh i I think that's really smart on their part to understand that it's got to be more than that if you want to attract people who might otherwise go to something else uh let me ask you you know we've talked kind of about the I don't know if I'd call it a problem necessarily, but just the the fact of kind of legacy bands crowding out the smaller bands and, you know, what does that mean for the future of the genre? What does that mean for the future of channels like ours? Like how do you know, I'm looking at your videos right now and it's Ozzy, Eddie Van Halen, Tool, uh, Pantera, Slipknot. Like these bands aren't going to be around forever, especially, you know, Ozzy could stop any day now. What does that mean for your channel and our, and, and my channel for that matter? Hey, that's a fantastic question. And it's something I think a lot about, but I am very much, uh, I am just sort of let the market do what the music market's going to do. And so I do talk a lot about Slipknot and System of a Down and Megadeth and stuff, maybe because it's my personal interest. But, you know, I keep up with Bring Me the Horizon, Architects, all of these bands, Killswitch Engage. You know, I've, I've interviewed various members of, of other bands. And so I think that as some of these bands fade away, they will hopefully f- have other people fill in those spaces. I think there's market demand for heavy music meaning there's just a shit ton of fans out there who love listening to heavy stuff. And hopefully the spaces are full and filled by other bands. But I'll say this personally, this is just my personal opinion from a broader business philosophy. I have money in a portfolio and if shit doesn't work out for me, I'll be okay. Nobody feels sorry for me. Uh, I, I, manage my money and I'll do something else. I love doing this and I hope I can do it forever. And if, you know, if I can somehow propel another band or help them, I think that it what has to happen is you've got to have more bands that are more transparent and more accessible to their fans and none of this bullshit where, you know, you're just a blue check mark and you like to post gaming videos of yourself but you're too cool to reply to the five people who tweet (laughs) you every day i'm too busy i'm too busy right now right too busy sitting around smoking weed on the bus and playing nhl (laughs) you know for six hours i'm sorry i'm listen when you're when you're in a band you don't you you'll you'll understand one day kid I'm, I can't reply to you. Right. I'm sorry. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the, getting that tattoo of me, right. but I can't hit the like button. Sorry. I, that bothers me. That's some, that really, that really, really bothers me when there are these like sort of cock stars who are yeah. just, I'm man, 
we sold 1500 records first week, bitch. Right. Like I'm, I'm too good now. I hate that. That bothers me too, especially, you know, for me coming from the hardcore scene where that is just completely antithetical to, you know, the way that things are done in like punk and hardcore. But I've always thought the same thing, you know, with content creators like ourselves, like people think I'm crazy for reading my comments and replying to them. And yeah, I read every single DM I get and I reply to almost all of them. I read yeah. every single comment I get. I don't reply to all of them because they don't all need a reply, but I reply to a lot yeah. of them. And to me, like, that's the fun part. I don't actually really enjoy making videos per se. I enjoy talking about them with people. You know what I mean? I enjoy the conversation that happens around the video. So it's strange to me that people put stuff out and then don't engage with the audience, whether that's music or I just, I, that doesn't make sense to me. In my experience, and I think that in your experience, probably too, knowing a lot of really big bands, that there are these little weasels that are behind them that are just, you know, they live and breathe because of this band's success and they are, they are rewarded for taking less risk. They are rewarded for, you know, if you have a big, bold idea and you work for a band and it doesn't go so well, you may be on the chopping block. Right. But if you just don't say anything, say less. (laughs) And there are these people just sitting there checking their emails and, deleting them and archiving them all day because they don't want their bands to do interviews with people like me. All those people do is fucking say no to everything. Yes. It's their job because it's, and I hope that any band that's listening to this right now knows that if you watch the hip hop community and you see a prominent hip hop star on their Instagram live. Yeah. Talking shit, shooting the breeze, drinking, smoking, whatever they're doing, playing video games, laughing it up. There's some publicist somewhere maybe trying to tell them what to do, but they're bold and brave enough to just be themselves. Um, I think a prime example of one of the most authentic people is uh, Cardi B. Yes, I love her. She's just unapologetically herself. I am who I am. I don't give a shit what you think about me. Here I am. I'm just on Instagram, just talking to people, whatever, you know, just chilling. She is great. My wife is a big fan of her. She has some video where she's like in her car talking about how she had to like (laughs) zip her pants down because her pussy was getting too hot. (laughs) (laughs) She said, she said, dude, she was like, uh, I guess she's married and has a kid with offset, I guess. And so she said, oh, tonight's my my husband's birthday. There's a party in my throat tonight. I was like, (laughs) all right. Oh, zip it up and zip it out. Not that it all has to be vulgar, but the point yeah. is like, I mean, that's kind of her thing. Yeah, yeah. She's she's just crazy and it's funny and entertaining. She's funny. Yeah. It's legitimately funny. Yeah. I think of her as like, you know, my wife and I talk about her all the time, but like I think about her as like the sort of crazy friend that every yes. like woman wishes they had. Totally. And that's why she is such a giant star because for one, well, she's also really absolutely funny and talented. Yeah. But she's just like the friend you wish you had if you're like, you know, a young woman. She's she's just a great bubbly personality. Very, very funny. And she is so famous and so successful, yet she just seems like none of that phases her. And maybe it does. Yeah. But I, I just don't think she gives a shit. And that's the master key to life is I don't like to be like a, a sort of a nihilist mentality where it's just like, eh, I don't give a shit about anything. Like I care about trying to be nice to people and trying to do the right thing. But sure. I I think that if you can just not stop for every barking dog 
and don't listen to every person who doesn't like you, then you're then you're really getting into a higher level. It's like the the meme with all the different like the the brains exploding right, when you right. get to the point where you the yeah. galaxy brain <laughs> the the brain yeah galaxy brain is like read the haters comments respond politely and keep doing what you're doing yes yeah or or just don't even think about it and go back to watching Monday Night Raw. You know, that's that's my dream. Right. And I've, I've pretty much gotten to that point at this point in the game, you know, coming coming back around to where it, it ends up for us on YouTube. I think the thing that everyone needs to do is always be watching for the next potential thing and not being afraid to jump out of your comfort zone. There are some people that like still write for news sites that I'm always like pushing and yelling and arguing with them to like, Dude, get a camera. I'll buy you a camera. Freaking, yeah. You need to. You're so interesting and entertaining. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me uh, calling him out, but I'm always trying to get uh, my buddy Tyler, who has his new site, Note to Scene. Oh yeah, yeah, he's awesome. And I'm always like, God, man, we need to set you up a little, a little, a setup. And I'm sure he's going to do it. But he is just one of the most fascinating people to talk to. Oh, he's got a you know ten years of stuff to talk about. Yes. He's so fast every time I talk to him and and he's really taught me a lot. I remember when he was at Alt Press, I was always fascinated at how quick he was on on everything. And he is like a, like a rock news rock and metal news scene warrior because he <laughs> has stories about some of the craziest places he could be publishing a news story. And you know, it's like extreme news publishing. He could be like I don't know, in, in, in the middle of like a graduation or something and off to the side, like right. writing a headline really quick. And I, I just um, really admire people like him who are highly flexible, highly adaptable, don't complain, do their job, work their asses off. And, you know, I, I do this shit in some form or fashion morning till night. As soon as I get off here with you, I'm going right back to work. Figure out. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm doing something. Same here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you go in a second because I I know you got a lot of stuff to do, but I'll I'll leave it with one thing and see what you think about this. I was listening to the group chat podcast and they were talking about some article or another that was talking about how all these social all these influencers were you know sad and depressed and stressed out because they hated their job and it was actually awful and all this stuff. And uh, and D from group chat was like, well. These people are all like 21. They've never had a real job. I think that they just don't understand that this is a job and they're just stressed out because they don't understand. That's just what work is. Yeah. And I, I think too that when you become very used to not having to worry about paying your bills, I think you lose a lot of perspective. Yes. And you invent things to worry about. Correct. You invent things to worry about. And, you know, I can tell you there are often times where I sort of, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. There are times where I sort of go in and out of focusing on the wrong things. And, you know, this past summer, uh, there were some real difficult things with my family health wise, and it will snap you out really fast and bring you back into what is real. And I think that for you and me and other people who might maybe think like us, the best thing we can do to be successful is to bring people like you and I out there in the world who have situations going on that they, that they hate, situations that are very difficult and trying to them personally, and give them two to five to 10 minutes of joy 
to take their minds off of things. It's a certain form of maybe free therapy. And I think the most rewarding part of it is, is just to try to get people's minds spinning on something else and not about the bullshit that we all deal with uh, each and every day. And so I think long-term, I think Joe Rogan is so successful because you can literally turn them on and start learning about like how lizards take a shit. <laughs> and by the end of the, the video, which is two hours long, you've forgotten what you were worried about or what you were supposed to do. And there is really something intrinsically valuable about that because you can, it does help take your mind off things. I'm happy to hear you say that because sometimes I feel kind of guilty for talking about bands. I feel like I should be talking about something more important or helpful or I'm like, God damn it. Like, I just feel guilty. Yeah. But, you know, hearing you say that makes me feel better about it. I've gone through that too. I've gone through that where it's like, okay, we're, you know, I sometimes I report on really stupid shit and people sometimes will get mad at me. But then there, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who will say, and it's as reflected by the people who watch, but I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who have said, man, you know, thank you for you. You've been like a constant in my life for these last couple of years. I click on and I see your, you know, jokingly, your big fat face in my <laughs> face screaming about these bands. And I really appreciate it. And so I think of it like that. If I can sort of take someone's mind off of something bad that they're going through. And also there's this other thing that I do that a lot of people get mad and they don't realize why I do it. It doesn't actually help my channel. Every time I run a video, I run a, I run it as a premiere. And the reason I do is not because I think it helps me in the algorithm. I actually think it doesn't because I don't think they rank. Chats. I don't think they give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think they rank actual comments, yeah. which I would be better served just to do that. But I do it because I noticed very early on and it kind of gives me chills. Like you'll see these people while they're watching the videos, just conversing with each other. Like what, what's up my metal brothers? Like, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but there is but something real. cool about these group yeah. of people who don't know each other from Adam. I can't go on Facebook or Twitter without somebody talking about some other politician yeah. and how we need to get behind this other one. It's like, none of these people give a shit about us. Right. You know, in my, in <laughs> no. my view, they it's just care. My they're out for themselves. They don't give a flying fuck. What happens to Brian? Yeah. They don't give a shit. What happened? So I don't, I don't get like, you know, my mom will like get into a tiff with her neighbor and yeah. I'll be like, mom, these people don't care if you die. <laughs> no, they, don't they don't care. Nothing will happen tomorrow. They will not care. So I think that for, for me, it's just, if I can bring 10 people a little bit of relief in their life to hear about Vince Neil's workout routine, you know, <laughs> then, you know what? I've done my job. I never, I've never claimed to be a sophisticated highbrow person. I'm just a guy who has grown up wishing he could have gone to, uh, to, to uh, Woodstock 99 and watch kid rock scream ball with the ball and uh, shout out to Joe C. And I, I think that, uh, I think that hopefully that shows to people that I really do give a shit about these bands that I talk about. And I want the other bands to be successful that are younger and, and up and coming. And uh, yeah, the new metal revolution, it's happening in 2020, baby. We're bringing back Crazy Town. We're bringing back Limp Bizkit. All of the, all of the best <laughs> future Hall of Famers are coming back. It's real. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I will let you go because we both have shit to do. But thank you so much yeah. for carving time out for this. I appreciate it. Totally. You can check out Rock Feed on YouTube and uh, Rock underscore Feed on Instagram. Anything else you uh, would like them to take a look at? No. Um. Just you know, take a look at uh, some of my favorite channels like your channel. 
uh, that's what I want people to keep looking at all of our channels, hopefully. Cool. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you, brother. Thanks so much. All right, my friends. That does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works, too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love or want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast